All right, you have your Bibles with you this morning? This is my third message on this theme, maximum results and the highest level attainable. Those of you that have not been in the previous two messages, I'm sure you can take a look at them on YouTube if you care to and catch up with the rest of us. Mark chapter 10, without taking the time to read all this story because we've already read it in the past, but just to briefly bring to your remembrance, a rich young ruler has come to Jesus and asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him what to do. And the Bible says, after he heard it, he was grieved at that saying. Jesus told him, sell what you have and give to the poor. The Bible says he walked away grieved because he had great possessions. Now, I've learned over the years, and you've heard me say this, but it's worthy of repeating. I've learned over the years, if you can't give away something God has blessed you with, then you don't have it, it has you. Amen. Amen. It has you. I remember one time years ago, uh, the Lord had blessed us with, I believe it was the, uh, it was the third or fourth airplane that God had blessed this ministry with. And it came through Kenneth Hagin. He gave me his 421 Golden Eagle. And uh, shortly after I got it, we needed to do a lot of upgrades on it. And of course, being an old paint and body man, one of the first things I did was design a new paint scheme for it. And then uh, uh, we put new interior in it. Then we upgraded the avionics. And then we put two brand new gold medallion engines on it. And we had less than 20 hours on this airplane when I flew it to Little Rock, Arkansas, to be in a meeting with Happy Caldwell, uh, Ed Dufresne, Buddy Harrison, and Lester Summerall. And the night that Ed was preaching, the Lord spoke to me. And said, and at this time, Ed was going through some real hardships. He'd gone through a divorce and he was hurting over it and so forth. And, and the Lord said to me as Ed was preaching, he said, Ed doesn't think I'm hearing his prayers. He said, show him I still hear his prayers. I said, well, Lord, how do you want me to do that? Now, I'm not talking out loud, just spirit to spirit. I said, Lord, how do you want me to do that? He said, give him your airplane. I just... I just did all this on it. It's like a brand new airplane. 20 hours on it now. New engines, new paint job, new interior, new avionics. So I leaned over to Carolyn and I said, the Lord just told me, give Ed our airplane. And I told her why the Lord said that. And she said, well, I know you, you'll obey God. So I said, well, Lord, do you want me to do this privately or publicly? He said, just hold on. It wasn't five minutes, less than five minutes. Ed just stopped preaching. Looked to me and said, Brother Jerry, God just told you to do something, obey him. <laughs> now, later, later after the service, he told me, he said, I had no idea that you were going to do what you were going to do. I thought the Lord had spoken to you about somebody that was going to be healed tonight because we, we operated that way quite often. The Buddy and Happy and Ed and I did a lot of meetings together. And we honored one another's giftings. And a lot of times there would be uh, certain areas uh, of, of ministry that 
I specialized in where he didn't and other areas that Happy and Buddy specialized in, but we all honored one another and endeavored to flow with one another. So he thought I was going to get up and say uh, something like, there's a lady over here in a red dress that needs to be healed of cancer. So I, I, when he said, Brother Jerry, God just spoke to you obeying. So I thought, well, the Lord wants me to do this publicly. So I got up and I walked up to the platform. I said, Ed, uh, we all know, talking about Buddy Happy and myself, that you're hurting right now. And you've even said, I'm not sure if God's hearing my prayers. And he just broke, put his head down and just began to cry. And I said, the Lord told me to let you know he still hears your prayers. And the airplane that you've been believing or you have been believing for an airplane. And I have that airplane and I'm giving it to you right now. And, and I gave it to him. Now, my point is, if I didn't have the airplane and it had me, I could have never given it. Amen. I gave it. Lester Summerall leaned over to me and he said, I've never seen anything like that before. He said, if you'll pray that somebody will give me the money that my airplane's worth, I'll give you my airplane. I thought, well, that's not the way I've learned it. (laughs) And uh, he he had an airplane like I was believing for. But he wanted somebody to come give him the money that it was that 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 airplane was worth, and then he said, "And I'll give you my airplane." Well, that's that's not the way I was trained, you know. You give first, and uh, so anyway, uh, I didn't wind up with Lester Summerall's airplane, but later on, God blessed me with my first jet. Praise God. And it happened to be the absolutely very first citation jet ever built. Amen. And some of you have heard me tell the story. It's my sermon. I want to repeat it. I was in uh, Topeka, uh, uh, Wichita, Kansas. Thank you. And I was doing a meeting there and an executive from Cessna came over to the meeting. He said, I'd like to give you a tour of the Cessna plant. I said, I'd be happy to go. So he went through every division, the 100s, 200s, the 310s, and the 300s, 400s. Then he said, did you know that Cessna now builds a business jet? I said, well, I've been reading about it, but I've never seen one. He said, well, we have number one and we have number two in the hangar, and I'd like to take you over to the jet division. So we walked into that hangar, and there was Cessna. 500, very first one, number one, right in front of me. I thought it was the most beautiful airplane I'd ever seen at that time. He said, come on, step up in it. So he said, get in the left seat. And I sat in the left seat, and he went over the avionics with me. Then he said, uh, go in the back, sit in, in different seats back there. And I did. He said, if you're not flying, I said, I'm not qualified to fly jets. He said, uh, If you're not flying, what seat would you sit in? I said, this one right here. He said, well, sit there. Pull the tray down. And just imagine yourself flying somewhere with your Bible open, studying, getting ready to preach. I said, I can do that. And uh, so when we got through with the tour, we walked off the airplane. And there's workers standing there. 
And the Lord said to me, turn around and call that airplane into your ministry. And then he said this. And do you remember your childhood best friend? I said, yes. I said, you're talking about Willie Taylor. He said, yes. He said, you remember Willie's mother? I said, of course I remember Willie's mother. Now, Willie's mother was about just barely over four feet high. But she had lungs that were 12 feet high. That woman could holler like any nobody I'd ever heard before. And when we'd be off in the woods playing somewhere, the rule at Willie's house was, if mama stands out on the back porch and goes like this, Willie! Then Willie ought to be running toward her before the Lee is up. And if he, if she didn't see him before she got through calling his name, he got, now we didn't get whippings, we got whoopings. Anybody ever had a whooping? That's worse than a whipping, okay? And so that was the rule. Now Willie and I are out in the woods and we heard his mama, Willie! And he took off running. So the Lord said, I want you to call that airplane into your ministry just like Willie's mother called him. Now there's people in this hangar. This man's an executive for Cessna. And the Lord's telling me to do something foolish. Anybody ever had the Lord tell you to do something foolish? So I just kind of got a deep breath. I turned around. I said, in the name of Jesus, I call you into my ministry. And from this name forward, your name shall be called Willie. Come on home. And then I turned around. We walked out. We got in his car. And he said, do you mind telling me what that was all about? And so I explained it to him. He said, okay, I, I believe in Jesus' name. Uh, yeah, I can, I can run with that. Praise God. Well, 12 years later. I wound up with that very airplane. And I think it's interesting, before I got it, the governor of Mississippi and the senators in Mississippi flew that airplane, and I just happened to be born in Mississippi. Isn't that amazing how God can orchestrate things? What do you suppose he's working on for you right now while you're listening to me? Don't ever give up on God. Don't ever give up on his ability to do what you think he can't do. Amen? He's always working behind the scenes. So anyway, I got my first Citation jet. And, and we kept that jet for 12 years. In fact, the Smithsonian Institute wanted me to give it to them to put it in the uh, uh, archives because it was the very first Citation 500 ever built. And then I got uh, ready for a bigger, better, and faster one. And that's been the process all this time. Now, I wouldn't be flying when I'm flying today if airplanes had a hold of me. And I, I enjoy the one I'm flying today. My goodness, it'll take me anywhere in the world. It's the finest airplane I've ever had. Flies higher, flies faster, flies further. I mean, I, I can hardly sit down in it. Uh, when, we, when we fly somewhere, I'm just, I'm just walking the cabin and praising God. Because, as we say in Texas... Who'd have thunk it? You know, who'd have thunk this country here would wind up with an airplane that'll take me anywhere in the world, and it's paid for. <laughs> Amen. Now, that's the goodness of God. That's what God is capable of. But notice here, 
People that can't let go of something never experience these kind of things. You missed a wonderful opportunity to say, that's good, Brother Jerry. I heard two or three people say it. If, if, you ha- if things have you and you don't have things, then it's not likely you'll ever get to the place where you can talk about maximum results or the highest level attainable. Can you say amen? amen? All right, now, notice in verse 29. Well, let's back up to verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto them, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Now, Peter is saying that as a result of what Jesus said just prior to that. He said it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. He didn't say impossible, but it's hard. And the reason it's hard is because rich men the majority of them trust in their riches. Okay? And he said, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So then Peter says, well, who then can be saved? Now, if Peter was poor, he would have turned to the other disciples and said, boys, we got it made. We never had anything in our lives. We've been poor all our lives. No, he didn't say that. He was shocked at that statement. He said, we've left everything. Remember, Peter and, and, and John were in the fishing business. They owned a fishing syndicate. In fact, the day they left all to follow Jesus was the best day they'd ever had in a fishing business. They caught a boatload, net-breaking load of fish and walked away from it and said, we'll follow you. And so you understand now why Peter is saying, you know, shocked. Well, then who can be saved? Okay. And Jesus went on to say, with, with men, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. And then he says this, verse 29. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for thy sake, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive. Notice, when people are willing to give for the gospel's sake, Jesus' sake, then the, the, the reaction from heaven is, he shall receive. Amen. He shall receive. How many givers in the house? How many receivers in the house? Same hand should have been up. Amen. If you're a giver, then you should be a receiver. Because Jesus, and notice it's in red. You can believe the red, can't you? Jesus said, there's no one that is ever given for my sake or the gospels that he shall not receive. So if you're a giver, then expect to receive. Can you say amen? Amen. And he says, he shall receive a hundredfold now in this life. And he goes on to repeat what he said about the giving. Now, a lot of people have a problem with a hundredfold. Terry, you were in the meeting one time when Brother Hagin called us all together. And some of the people there... Uh, were a little bit critical of us who talk about the hundredfold. Okay? Now, the Lord taught me years ago, even though it's 
Very plain, Jesus did say hundredfold. Now, there are other translations that say hundred times. Then there are other translations that I've read and commentaries that I've read. And and one of them says a hundred times better than what you gave. For instance, Carol and I gave our home to the ministry, our house, and the land that it was on. We had just a little farmhouse. We, we, in, we enlarged it, uh, doubled the, the, the space. Carolyn's dad and, and her, his brothers came over and some of her uncles came over and, and added on to it. And, uh, and, and then I had stables. I had horses and I had barn with cattle and so forth. And, and we gave that to the ministry just around the corner here, the headquarters. Gave it. And at that time, we became the largest contributor to our own ministry because we gave our house. Now, I didn't, I didn't think, oh, now I'm entitled to a hundred houses. See, that's where people, you know, get, as I would say, bogged down and question the validity of this. I didn't think I'm going to get back a hundred houses. I don't know. I don't know anybody. I don't know a lot of people. I don't know anybody whose faith is at the level for a hundred houses. In fact, I don't want a hundred houses. Two is more than enough to take care of. Amen. So when we gave our house and the land that it was on, and then later we built a new home next door, right around the corner here, Okay, And then later, we acquired another home between Granbury and Weatherford. And between these two homes, I can say, I figured it up today, the value of them. It came out exactly a hundred times more than what that house was worth that we gave to the ministry. Amen. I figured it out today. I, I was sitting there thinking, wait a minute now. Let me see. This is what that house was worth. This is what this one, the appraisal is on now. And we've been offered a certain amount, double what we gave for the house in on, on the Brazos River. And I thought, look at here. And it turned out to be exactly a hundred times in value. Hallelujah. And to be quite frank with you, I don't want 98 more homes. <laughs> the upkeep on one or two, you have to be a man of faith. <laughs> Amen. Just taxes. Amen. I pay more in taxes every year on the one house than our first house in Fort Worth cost. Our first house that we bought in Fort Worth cost $22,500. I pay more in taxes every year on one house. But God. But God. Hallelujah. And we haven't mixed any, we haven't missed any of the tax payments. Okay? Now, don't think 100 times. 
Because most people are not capable of believing for a hundred more than what they gave. So forget that. Now the Lord taught me years ago, when you see hundredfold, you think maximum results and the highest level attainable. See, I can, I, my, my, my spirit man can grasp that and my mind can grasp it. Maximum results and the highest level attainable. Can you say amen? amen. I even figured up this morning, uh, I've given cars away. And I figured up today what the value of my cars, plural, are worth. Ooh, Jesus. He, Jesus told the truth. Whatever you give for my sake or the gospels, you will receive maximum results and the highest level attainable. Hallelujah. So I'm living proof that it works. So somebody says, I don't believe that you come too late for me. Because it's working, praise God. Amen. So I want to challenge you this morning. Throughout 2023, make it your declaration. Keep this little card in front of you. Make it your declaration that 2023 is my year for maximum results and the highest level attainable. Amen. And why don't we go ahead and praise God in advance for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, another translation says that you will be amply compensated. Amply compensated. Amply means uh, richly or more than adequately compensated. Another commentary says uh, God will multiply it over and over. And another translation says... uh, Far greater than what you are willing to give. A commentary says, what you will get in return will be far greater than what you were willing to give. So hundredfold, think of it as maximum results and the highest level attainable. Can you say amen? amen? All right. Now, I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. And the reason I'm bringing up this verse and chapter is this statement. Why settle for anything less? If we have the promise of Jesus... In our giving, that this is what we can expect to receive, then why settle for anything less? Amen? Why settle for anything less? Now, a lot of people need to do, a lot of Christians need to do what uh, this verse says. It's the story of uh, Jacob, Esau, and so forth. And notice it says in verse 40, Isaac is talking to Jacob. Verse 40. 
And by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from thy neck. Now, notice it says, it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. Now, another translation, Amplified Bible says, But the time shall come when you will grow restive and break loose. The time will come when you will grow restive. And restive, another word for it is restless or dissatisfied. And he says, and when that time comes in your life where you are no longer satisfied with living beneath your privileges, then you're going you're gonna to tap into your dominion and you're going to break loose. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, a lot of you, perhaps, and people watching, need to get to the place where you are restive. Where you read what God promises... And you're doing what he said, but you're not receiving the fulfillment of the promise. Then you need to grow restive. Now, another word for restive in our modern day vernacular would be fed up. How many of you know how to get fed up? Yes. I've used this illustration before. You know, some six foot five, 17 year old boy. 225 pounds. He's a, he's a, plays on the high school football team, running people over. His little four foot nine mama comes in his bedroom and says, boy, didn't I tell you to clean up this bedroom? Yeah, I'll do do it, mama. I'll do it just as soon as I can. She comes back three or four days later. Son, I told you to clean up this bath, uh, this, this bedroom. I'm going to do it, Mom, just as soon as I can get around to it. She comes in one day and says, Son, I'm not telling you again. What happened? She got fed up. And when Mama's fed up, ain't nobody happy. (laughs) Amen. And she stands in front of this six foot five, 225 pound tackle, about to make all state. She says, If I come in here another time with this bedroom looking like that, you and I are going to go round and round. And I'm going to tell you right now, I will win. <laughs> What's happened? She's fed up. Right. Some of you need to get that way with the devil stealing your harvest. I said, some of you need to get that way about the devil stealing your harvest. That harvest belongs to you. Amen. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked has been laid up for the just. And the Amplified Bible says, and eventually it will come into their hands. Well, when is eventually? When the people get fed up with it being in the wrong hands. Amen. Eventually it'll come into your hands. But you have to reach the place where you are restive. You're fed up. You're no longer willing to live less than your privileges. Is anybody in here fed up yet? Okay. Now, let's go to the book of Haggai. Haggai. Matthew, Mark, Haggai. I still hear 
pages turning, you don't spend much time in Haggai, do you? It's page uh, 1107, if you have a Bible like mine. (laughs) Now, I want you to notice something here. God has instructed the people to build his house, okay? They got busy doing other things. They got busy pursuing their own dreams instead of pursuing God's dream. Okay? So now the prophet Haggai, by the command of the Lord, speaks to them and says in verse 2, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house shall be built. In other words, they're procrastinating. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house be waste? Or in other words, is it, is, is it more important for you to build your own house than to build the house of God? You keep putting my house off. Okay. Then he says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Underline that, highlight it, draw a star around it. Consider your ways. If the word of God, or should I say, if the promises in the word of God are not being fulfilled in your life, then don't question God, question your ways. Question your ways. The Bible says in Proverbs, there is a way that seemeth right to a man. Well, if there is a way that seems right, there is a way that is right. Brother Copeland said this years ago, when I, when I heard him when I first met him. He said, God's way is right 100% of the time. So find out God's way and then do it God's way. Amen. So notice here. Consider your ways. Now keep reading. Verse 6. <clears throat> you have sown much and bring in little. Now that is a violation of spiritual law. If you sow much, you're entitled to reap much. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 and 9. Paul said, He that, that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth generously shall reap generously. So if you're sowing much and reaping little, that is a violation of God's word. It's a violation of spiritual law. And God says, if this is happening to you, then don't question my ways, question your ways. You're missing it, not God. Now, most people can't take that. That's what a lot of people turn me off. Don't you turn that TV off. I know it stings. We don't ever want it to be our fault. Amen. See, we got that from Adam. When God came through the garden and said, what what happened here, boy? That woman you gave me. She's the problem. Notice it didn't impress God at all. Consider your ways. Look at your neighbor and say, consider your ways. All right. 
He says, you've sown much, bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe, but you're, there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put in a bag with holes. In other words, it's, it's leaving you as fast as it's coming in. Now, if that describes your life, then the solution is consider your ways. Don't blame God. Don't blame me. Don't blame Brother Copeland. Everybody do this. Put your finger right in front of your face and say this out loud. I have discovered the problem this morning. It's me. Amen. Consider your ways. Hallelujah. And then he repeats it in verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now God, didn't, God doesn't need to say anything but once. But when he says it twice, pay close attention. He's trying to help you. He's not trying to condemn you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to help you get to maximum results and the highest level attainable. Can you say amen? amen. All right, now go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Everybody still here? Yes. Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> and this, actually, the theme here begins in about verse 24, but I'm not going to take the time to start there. We'll just drop down to verse 33. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now he's talking about the material necessities of life. He said, if you, will, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything that you will need in this life will be added to you. That's plain enough, amen? So we have, God is establishing for us Correct priorities. He said, don't, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't, don't be like those who pursue these things. He said, pursue me first. And all these things will be added. Don't be like everybody else. Dare to be different. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. Now the Amplified Version says it this way. Can you put the Amplified up there where everybody can see it? Now look at this. But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, and then look in parentheses. His way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. So seek first his way of being and doing right. Now, once again, as Brother Copeland said, his ways always work. His ways are 100% correct. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the fool you know, won't, won't receive instruction. The fool is right in his own thinking. Won't accept anything else. And that's the reason he's a fool. Amen. I'm just looking across the crowd and make sure there's no fools in here. Now seek ye first 
His way of doing and being right. If you seek His way of doing, then you don't need a plan B. Can you say amen? amen? All right, now, let me ask you this question before we go any further. Are you willing, if I can show you in the Word today, are you willing to do things His way? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. I embrace yourself. Loosen your seat belt or tighten it one or the other. Because turbulence is coming. <laughs> All right. Now, before I get to that part, let's read a couple other things. The message translation says that if you will do this, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, then the message translation adds this. Don't worry about missing out on anything. Don't worry about missing out on anything. By putting God first and putting his word first and putting his ways first, I am not missing out on anything. Amen. Amen. And I say this to the glory of God. I'm extremely blessed and I'm highly favored. Amen. I'm not missing out on anything. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's, that's what I call maximum, yes. highest level attainable. But I know there's even more because <laughs> I know God. He's not done yet. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not done with you yet. But the Bible gives us priorities that this is what we should focus on. Instead of focusing on all the things you want. And spending all your energy trying to figure out a way to get all those things you want. Why don't you do it God's way? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. Now I love when God adds things, but I like it even better when he multiplies. Amen. Amen. And he does multiply. All right, now listen to this. Psalm 34 and verse 14 They that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Shall not want any good thing. Psalm 119 verse 2. Blessed are they that seek him with all their heart. The Amplified says blessed or happy, uh, fortunate, and to be envied are those who seek, inquire for him With all their heart. Blessed. And blessed means empowered to prosper. To excel. To rise above what holds others down. And then the Passion Translation says, What joy overwhelms everyone who keeps the ways of God. What joy overcomes everyone who keeps the ways of God. Was it last? Did I preach here last Sunday? No, Sunday before that. Two weeks ago. Yeah, whenever. (laughs) Anyway, Carol and I, when we left here that Sunday, we went over to Charleston's restaurant to have lunch. 
And uh, we had to wait quite a while. There was a long, long line of people waiting to get in. And uh, so there was, a, there was a couple of times we thought about just leaving because it seemed like it was going to take forever and maybe go somewhere else. And then we said, well, it'll probably be the same way anywhere else. And we've already spent this much time here. Let's just wait. And so we did. And then they finally got us a table. And it turned out to be one of the nicest tables we'd ever had in Charleston's. Okay. So we're sitting there and uh, this waitress came and she was so friendly and so proficient and so kind. And uh, she just, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better server. And when she took our order and everything, Carol and I were both talking about what, what, what it, uh, an honor it was to get someone like this that didn't, you know, just shove things around and hurry up and eat so I can get out of here kind of thing, you know. And uh, but she was just real nice, real sweet. Well, afterwards, uh, I asked for the bill. She brought me the bill. And I, I used uh, my Diners Club card to pay for it. And I put a very nice tip on it on the credit card as well and had it there for her. And then I was impressed to give her an extra hundred dollars. And so she came over and I said, now this is the bill. It's, it's on my diner's club. And there's a tip on there, uh, 25% added to the bill. But here's an extra hundred dollars because you are so uh, good at what you do. And I just wanted to bless you. She got down on her knees by us and started weeping. She said, you have no idea. She said, I couldn't pay my rent. And she said, this was a big help. She said, only God knew. Now, what impressed me was you would have never known this woman was under pressure. You'd have never known it. She was sweet. She was kind. She was considerate. She, she didn't mess up the order. <laughs> and, you know, somebody that, and she, she's a single mom, had a son, and somebody in the natural who's facing those situations or those circumstances, they probably would have had a different attitude. But she didn't. And that's what impressed me. So she came back to bring me a receipt, and I reached in my pocket, and got some more money. And Carolyn reached in her billfold and got some more money. And we wind up giving that woman $500. Amen. Oh, she was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed. She just was, she could not stop crying, you know, and thanking God. And I said, well, ma'am, one of the reasons why I'm doing that is I'm blessed to be a blessing. I said, I remember. When Carol and I, I didn't tell her this, but Carol and I talked about it later. I remember when Carol and I moved here and, and we would go to Grace Temple. Brother Harold Nichols was our, became our pastor. And, and, and we didn't have money to eat on after a service. We, we'd have to go back home and eat peanut butter and crackers or something or a peanut butter sandwich or a bologna sandwich or something. And people would ask us, would you like to go out and eat? Well, they didn't say they was buying. <laughs> So we couldn't take the chance to uh, bring two checks because we didn't have money to buy a meal. 
And there were times when Brother Copeland was preaching special meetings there, you know, three or four nights. And, and people would ask us to go. And, and, uh, and he'd have, you know, three services a day. And they'd ask us to go eat. And once again, they nobody mentioned, and we'd like to pay for it. But so we couldn't take the chance. And so we just go back to our car and sit in the car until one o'clock or the two o'clock service and eat peanut butter and crackers and, and give our babies. The girls were just little and give our babies whatever we had. And, 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 you know, somebody'd walk by and see us eating peanut butter and crackers in the car. And sometimes would have the, they'd have that look, poor things. We didn't consider ourselves poor. What we were hearing was about to take us out of Egypt into the promised land. Hallelujah. We knew it was just a matter of time and our days of doing this will be over. So I remember those days. Then I remember that, that same meeting, uh, after a, a morning service, Brother Copeland come up to us and said, uh, why don't you guys go to lunch with us? Now we still lived in Shreveport. We're driving over for the meeting. Why don't you guys uh, have lunch with us? Well, he didn't say he's buying either. <laughs> we said, well, we're, we're just going to wait here until the meeting starts. And by the way, when you sit in your car waiting for the next service, it's not bad because you get the best seat. You're the first ones there. <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, he said, uh, let, me, let me take you to El Chico's on Berry, East Berry, Westbury Street. And we said, uh, yeah, that'd be fun. He said, and I'm buying. I said, yeah, it's even more fun right now. <laughs> so we went, to, we went with Brother Copeland and Gloria to El Chico's. And they paid for the meal. Best meal we had all week. And uh, then they said, now, what are you guys doing this afternoon? We don't have an afternoon service. What are you going to do? They said, well, we're, we're just going to sit in the car and wait for the evening service. They said, that's at 7 o'clock. He said, come on, go home with us. I said, what? He said, come on and go home with us. Now, I, did, I just met Brother Copeland back when he came to meetings in Shreveport. I didn't know him that well. I repaired his car when he wrecked it on the way over there one time and got to visit with him. But I didn't know him well. And uh, he said, come go home with us. So we're thinking, my goodness, Moses just invited us to have lunch and then go home with him. And so we went home with the Copelands and he took us into, he took me into his study. And he said, now, this is where I pray. And he said, you can sit here. You can sit in the living room. The kitchen's here. And you guys just make yourself at home. I'm going to go get prepared for the evening service. He said, and, and, and uh, we'll, we'll all go to the meeting together. So I'm sitting in Brother Copeland's chair behind his desk. And he's got this Bible, one of these big Bibles with wide outlines, uh, margin. In the margin, all of his personal notes. I'm copying him as fast as I could. <laughs> and then later, he gave me that Bible. I still have it. He said in the front, to, to Jerry Savelle, one of the most precious men I've ever known. And please receive my personal study Bible as your own. And I still have that in my archives today. Okay. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting there and I, I'm, I'm, I'm pinching myself. Is this really happening? I'm sitting behind Kenneth Copeland's desk and I'm reading his personal notes. Then a little while he comes out, walks in there. He, just, he said he wasn't going to 
be out until time to go to the service. But about an hour, he came in there and said, the Lord said to me while I was praying that you have some questions. And I'll, I'll try to answer them in the next hour. What are they? Dear God, I couldn't hardly remember my name. <laughs> so I asked him these questions. Because I am one hungry guy about this faith life. Okay? So I asked him questions. He was very gracious. answered my question. Then he went back to the bedroom and, and, and stayed until we got ready to leave. Amen. So my point is, when you put God's word first place, and you put the kingdom of God first place, and you put doing things His way first place, then all kinds of blessings come your way. Yes. Amen. Not only prosperity and, and blessings, uh, material blessings, but, but God shows you favor. Yes. I consider that to be the favor of God. Yes. And it wasn't long after that when we moved to Fort Worth and began traveling with Brother Copeland. And now we've been preaching together for over 50 years all over the world. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's the kind of things God will do when you put Him first place. Amen. Hallelujah. So notice once again, seek, Amplified says, seek first His way of doing and being right. All right, now, you said you were willing to do things God's way. I'm going to ask that again. Are you willing to do things God's way? Because God's way is the right way. Even if it stings a little bit. Okay. We shall see. His way of doing and being right. All right, now. Isaiah chapter 55. Let's go there first. Isaiah chapter 55. Look at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. So he makes it very clear that the way natural man thinks and the way he thinks are different. They're not in agreement. Okay? For as the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow, and so forth, and he goes on to say in verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and prosper in the thing wherein to have sent it. Okay, the point he's making is his thoughts are higher. His ways are higher than our ways. And the Bible says, from the Amplified Version, Matthew 6, Seek ye first His way of doing things and His way of being right. Okay, so that's, that's our objective this morning, is to seek His way. Now the message translation says, I don't think the way you think, 
the way you think isn't the way I work. So quit trying to tell God how to do things. He's not listening. Don't look at me so holy. You've done it. I've done it. I say, God, if you would do this, this, and this. One time I got, I got so desperate, I wasn't seeing the kind of return on my giving that I was sowing and doing. And I needed the return desperately. Particularly in the ministry, I had, I had a lot of uh, financial situations I needed to take care of. And finally, I just said, Lord, forget the tenfold, forget the thirtyfold, forget the hundredfold. Just match me dollar for dollar, okay? <laughs> See, that's desperate. <laughs> you know? And God didn't pay any attention to me. <laughs> Why? Because his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. Amen. So I don't think the way you think, the way you think isn't the way I think. That's why Proverbs 3, 5 says this, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Amen. Amen. Don't be foolish and try to get God to do it your way and to think your way. Amplified says, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord. The message translation says, don't try to figure out everything on your own. God wants you to experience his best in every area of your life. Maximum results, highest level attainable. But doing things his way is the only way that is going to take place in your life. I'll say it again. Doing things his way is the only way that you're going to experience this. Maximum results and the highest level attainable. Amen? Now, the Apostle Paul reveals to us that when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives, we become new creations. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We receive the very nature of God when we're born again. But he also tells us that we have access, according to 1 Corinthians 2.16, the mind of Christ. We have access to the mind of Christ, meaning that we are capable of thinking those higher thoughts that he thinks. We don't have the limitations we had before we were born again. We now have access to the mind of Christ, the ability to think higher thoughts, And do things on a higher level. Can you say amen? Amen. Which obviously puts us in position to experience his best. Paul also tells us that as we continue this process called the renewing of the mind. Then Romans 12 2 says it will put us in the perfect will of God. And I personally believe that when you're in the perfect will of God. That you have now positioned yourself to experience his best. Amen. His best. All right. So, the question again. Are we willing to put his ways above our ways? And his thoughts above our thoughts? So, let's go to Matthew, I mean uh, Mark chapter 11.
And the rest of this service, I want to talk to you about faith and love positions you to receive God's best. Not just faith alone, but faith and love. Faith that worketh by love. This is where so many in the body of Christ are missing out on God's best. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples by your love one for another. Now the world knows we're Christians by our strife with one another. They know we're Christians with our disagreements with one another and our putting down one another. Amen. I remember one time there was a very well-known preacher. He criticized me. He criticized Brother Hagin. He criticized, criticized Brother Copeland. He criticized Charles Capps. And he criticized Fred Price. And he, and he would talk about us all in his sermons, in his church. If I told you his name, many of you would recognize him, but I'm not going to do that. And, and somebody sent me one of the recordings of a message he did in his church where he called all of our names out. And, and, and said that, that we're preaching false doctrine. That, that faith message. And uh, then, a couple of weeks later, I receive a letter from him. It's on my desk. And he's asking me for money. <laughs> Same guy that criticized us. Asking me for money to help... Uh, Build something new for his church. <laughs> and so I thought, now he doesn't want my message, but he wants what it will produce. <clears throat> now, I, I could have written back and said, I heard you talking ugly about me. You're on your own, buddy. And I hope you don't make it. I could, have, I could have written that. In fact, I felt like it. I said, the audacity. This guy just criticized me, and now he's asking me for money. I started just wanting to tear the letter up and throw it in the trash. And the Lord said, what are you going to do about that? I said, nothing. He said, send him some money. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. Why would I want to send him money who criticized me? He said, what about walking in love? I said, Lord, didn't you have something else to do today besides listening to this conversation? See, his way is higher than our ways. See, we want to retaliate. Like Jesse said one time, said this person said, he, he, Jesse said to the Lord, Lord, this guy is not a thorn in my flesh. He's a complete bush. <laughs> the Lord said, pray for him. Jesse said, okay, I'm going to pray like David prayed. Break his teeth in his mouth, Lord. <laughs> That's like yesterday. No. Friday, I got up. And I was going to go get me a cappuccino down at 
Dutch Brothers on uh, Sycamore School, is it? So I'm, I, it was up seven, about seven o'clock, and I got up and I'm, I'm driving in my truck over to Dutch Brothers to get me a cappuccino. When I when I got out my gate, in front of my gate was a pile of McDonald's wrappers, uh, Whataburger wrappers, uh, cups, just trash piled up in my gate. I couldn't I couldn't even open the gate without all this trash. Somebody jealousy. And of course I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to put the double whammy on him. And as far as the Lord would let me go was this God I'm asking you in the name of Jesus May all his kids be born naked and have no teeth. That'll fix him. (laughs) Yeah, pile up trash in front of my house again, and your second child will be born naked and have no teeth either. Now, in the natural, I would have liked to have sat out there with my shotgun and wait him, watch him drive by again sometime and just blow his tires out. <gasps> Brother Jerry, you thought that? <laughs> like Brother Hagen used to say, I can't stop the birds from flying over my head. All I can do is keep them from roosting in my hair. That's his answer to a person who said, Brother Hagen, don't you ever have any negative thoughts? He said, I can't keep the birds from flying over my... I, 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 can keep, I can't keep the birds from flying over my head, but I can keep them from roosting in my hair. He said, I have negative thoughts just like you do, but I cast them down. So it's a good thing I cast those thoughts down. I'd have been waiting out there with my shotgun to see this wonderful person drive by my house. See how easy it is? Uh, Jesse calls this a fit of carnality. A fit of carnality. And all of us have it. That person that cut in front of you on the highway. Whatever happened to yield? Where are all the yield signs? These people expect me doing 70 miles an hour at speed limit to just stop and let them in. It used to be yield. I dare you. Don't even think about it. I can fix this truck. I used to do body work. (laughs) I just thought it. I didn't do it. Okay. We all have those moments. And the Lord taught me years ago, I preached a series on it in Anaheim in the West Coast Believers Convention, and I called it Blessing Blockers. Beware of the Blessing Blockers. Okay? So, let's do a little study here real quick. Mark eleven twenty two. you all know Jesus said, have faith in God. And then he tells us what faith can do. We also know that the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. Another translation says, the just 
shall have their lives sustained by their faith. Sustained means maintained, upheld, supported. We also know that the Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please God. So the life of faith, or the kind of faith that pleases God, is the life of faith that expresses complete and total trust in Him and in His Word. When He sees that in us, the Bible says in one story where Jesus was in this house preaching and they tore the roof off to lower a man down. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, so faith can be seen. And when God sees our faith as uh, expressions of complete and total trust in Him, then Matthew seventeen twenty says, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Even experiencing maximum results and reaching the highest level attainable. That's no longer impossible. When you have faith. Okay. Now the Passion Translation says, I promise you, if you have faith, there's nothing you can't do. So obviously, if we truly want God's best in our lives, then faith is required. Can everybody agree with that? But we can't stop there. Faith is required. The Bible also tells us that the kind of faith that positions us to experience God's best in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 is faith that worketh by love. Faith that worketh by love. The Passion Translation says faith that is activated and brought into perfection by love. So if there's no love, then your faith never gets perfected. Let me try on the other side of the auditorium. It's already stinging. Amen. If, if there's no love in your life, that you're not just loving God, but loving others. And others would include loving the unlovely. The, the Bible says, Jesus himself said, what, what do you think you've accomplished if you only love those who love you? I'm paraphrasing. But what about loving the unlovely? See, I don't want somebody else that I've got alt against blocking my blessings. See, they probably never even give another thought to you, but you're carrying around all this heavy thinking about what they said, what they did. And they could care less. They're going on about their life and you're allowing them to block your blessing. Thank you. Thank you. That's a lady over there that wants maximum results and the highest level attainable. Amen. Now, faith that is activated and brought into perfection by love. The NIV says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Another translation says it this way. What matters most is faith working through love. Amen. I heard one preacher say it like this. Out of 66 books, 1188 
chapters and 31,175 verses in the Bible, one thing that matters most is faith that works through love. Well, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Not only loving God, but loving others as well. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 46, I made a reference to it earlier. If ye love them that love you, what reward have you? The Passion Translation says, How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Jesus said in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. He went on to say in verse 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by your love one to another. This is why many Christians fail to receive God's best. Is they, they might say, well, I have great faith. That's wonderful. But if you've got strife in your life, if you've got bitterness in your life, have you got all against others? See, even the famous chapter on faith, Mark the 11th chapter, have faith in God. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Verse 25. Don't, don't stop reading. There's a verse 25. Tell me what it says, somebody. And when you stand praying, forgive. Brother Copeland preached a message way back in the early days that really... Open my eyes. He said, faith won't work in an unforgiving heart. Faith won't work in an unforgiving heart. Hallelujah. So, this is why many Christians do not experience God's best. And it's why many Christians will never experience God's best. They're not walking in love. Some will say, but I have great faith. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Keep developing it. But right along with it, develop your love walk. Paul told believers in Ephesus that they must be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. The Amplified says, rooted deep in love. Amen. He goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2, so that you'll be able to forbear one another in love. That you'll be able to forbear one another in love. The Amplified says, making allowances because of your love one for another. See, love makes allowances. Love does not condemn. Love does not promote itself. It doesn't think it's more spiritual than everybody else. And if everybody else gets as spiritual as you, then the world will be a better place. Some Christians even think God is so fortunate to have him, I have them on his team. Because they're so perfect. I'm not perfect. Anybody else in here perfect? I will be casting out lying devils in just a moment. I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm endeavoring to get there, but I'm not there yet. And neither are you. So we have to make allowances. That, that would mean before you just blurt out something that you're going to regret later, stop. 
and make the allowance. Uh, well, Lord, they just don't know better. They just don't know any better. John Osteen and I got in the elevator one time. We was both preaching at Brother Hagin's camp meeting years ago. And he and I got in the elevator. And, and when we went down a lower floor, there were four or five businessmen that got in. And they were telling dirty jokes as they entered the elevator. And John and I are just standing there. And, and they were using such foul language. And, and using God's name in vain. And finally, John, only John, John would say, well, gentlemen, I see you got God on your mind. All of you born again. Praise God. Isn't it wonderful to be saved? One guy pushed the next floor and all got off. I don't think it was the floor they wanted to get off on. Amen. And the door is shut. And John said, it's pleasant in here now, isn't it? Sometimes you have to make allowances. For people because they just don't know any better. You know, some people have used foul language so much that they don't even realize it's coming out of them. Like that guy I told you about in, in Babes over here in Burleson. And for those of you that don't know Babes, it's not a, it's not a joint. <laughs> it's a restaurant where they make good chicken and country cooking, okay? And so it's one of our favorite places. And, and, and we were in Babe. You know, the tables are real close and everything. It's family style. And, and this guy and his wife and another couple walked in. And this guy was cussing when he walked in. He cussed when he sat down. And, and, and the tables are so close you couldn't help but hear him. And finally people are turning around looking at the guy. And his wife realized what was happening. And she told him, she said, would you please just shut up? And he said, what the hell did I do? <laughs> now, I don't talk like that. I'm just telling you the, I'm just telling you the message. You know? <laughs> and he, he said that. And she said that. That's what I'm talking about. You can't say two words without cussing. He said, that's a damn lie. <laughs> She said, see there? And everybody's looking at you. You're embarrassing me. Just shut up. He, he talked that way for so long, he didn't even realize he's talking that way. Amen? Now, I can be in an atmosphere like that a whole lot easier than I can be in an atmosphere in a room full of unbelieving believers. Amen? I mean, I know that guy don't know any better. He, he, he's talked that way for so long. Out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaketh. But then when Christians sit under the word of God and, and discover the power of words and they just ignore it and just keep talking unbelief. Like those two ladies, Carolyn asked me to stop at a grocery store one time and get something. And I'm walking down the aisle trying to find it. And I noticed two church, uh, two ladies that were members of our church. They're not in here this morning. <laughs> and one of them said, can you believe the cost of this? Can you believe the price of this? I can't even buy this anymore. She said, the other one said, you think this is how, have you been over to the meat section? I don't know what we're going to do. We, how, how, can, how can we afford this? 
Then they all turned and looked at me and said, Oh, Brother Jerry, isn't it wonderful God is our source of supply? (laughs) Out of the abundance of the heart. Amen. So notice, it's important. Now see, I could have condemned those ladies right there. You two ladies are members of my church and you've heard me talk about the power of words and you've heard me in... You're both going to hell. No. I'm not going to condemn them. Paul says in Ephesians 5.2, walk in love. Walk in love. Look at your neighbor and say, walk in love. Tell your other neighbor, and that means you too. Walk in love. The book of Philippians, Paul prays for the body of Christ. And he says that your love may abound yet more and more. That you grow in love. See, uh, we know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. So you can grow your faith. But here, Paul is telling us that you can grow in love as well. You get stronger in your love walk. Just like you can get stronger in your faith. And it takes both of them. Faith worketh by love. To experience maximum results and the highest level attainable. I'm talking to somebody in here this morning. The Amplified Bible says for Philippians 1.9. King James, your love may abound yet more and more. Amplified, extend to its fullest development. So yes, it all starts with faith. But if our faith is to work at its best, it must be accompanied by love. Amen. So let me ask the question again. How many of you truly want God's best? Anybody want maximum results? Highest level attainable? Then faith worketh by love. I've just given you the Bible principles that will take us to maximum results and the highest level attainable. Faith is the starting point. Then love expressed along with it is what produces the desired results. Now, if you don't believe that, I got more verses. First Corinthians thirteen two. Though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Charity, love. Notice he says, if I have all faith and I'm capable of moving every mountain in my life through faith, but I don't have love. In other places, he says, what does it profit me? What benefit will I have from it if I don't have love? So it takes faith working by love. Say it with me. Faith Faith. working by love. Amen. The Amplified Bible says, I gain nothing. Message translation says, no matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. The Passion Translation says, I gain nothing of value without love. So let me close it with this. If you have any strife in your life today, then don't go another minute with it. You must not allow strife in your home. You must not allow strife in your family. Get rid of it at any cost. The Holy Spirit taught me many years ago that strife is a blessing blocker. Paul refers to it in his letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.26, as a snare of the devil. A trap, the Amplified uh, Bible says. 
And it's designed to hold you back. And it's designed to keep you from experiencing God's best. Ephesians 4.31, Paul tells us this. Put it away from you. Put it away. Message translation says, make a clean break. By doing so, you're now positioning yourself to experience maximum results in the highest level attainable. Then my last statement is this. 1 Corinthians 13.8 from the Amplified Bible says, Love never fails. I rest my case. I could have been a lawyer. Amen. So, are we going to do what the Word says or are we just going to clap? Thank you for clapping, but, but more importantly, are we going to do what the Word says? So everybody stand to your feet if you will, please. Hallelujah. Man, we're going for maximum results. We're going for highest level attainable. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say this with me. In the name of Jesus, I receive God's word today. And I have made a decision. I am not a hearer of the word only. I am a doer of the word. And the Bible says that the doer of the word will be blessed in his deeds. I know the Bible tells me to have faith, but it also tells me to walk in love. The Bible tells me that faith works by love. So while I'm developing my faith, I'll develop my love walk right along with it. And in the name of Jesus, I have learned today that strife and envy and bitterness and the like are enemies of my faith and their blessing blockers. And I make the decision today, right now, to put it away from me, break loose from it. I forgive all those. I forgive all those who have treated me wrongly, who have spoken wrongly about me. That doesn't matter anymore. What matters most is receiving God's best. And if that's the price I have to pay to receive God's best, forgiving others, then I will do it. So in Jesus' name, I'm going to leave here today free, 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 and expecting the highest level attainable and maximum results. And give the Lord your best shout for it.